and welcome to Geek Space Nine, the Tusket Chid Media Network podcast where we discover and or rediscover the classic Star Trek series Deep Space Nine. With me, as always, is Peter Dancy. How are you, Peter? I am pretty good. Uh, <clears throat> it's like it's like we it's like we haven't seen each other for like five whole minutes. <laughs> Funny how that time just flies. So, yes. How are you, Sarah Becker? Pretty good. I'm excited to talk about this one. It'll be good, good conversations for both episodes, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yes, two very different but very interesting episodes. Agree. Well, let's talk about it. We're talking about Season 7, Episode 5, and Episode 6, which are Chrysalis and Treachery, Faith in the Great River. So first up is Chrysalis. After spending a lonely evening, Bashir is waking... Bashir! <laughs> so weird. It Bashir. actually ruined my train of thought. Uh, Bashir! <clears throat> Starting over. My God, Bashir. After spending a lonely evening... <laughs> my God, Bashir! <laughs> <coughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, I'm not. Um, <laughs> after spending a lonely evening, Bashir is awoken by Nog, claiming that there is an admiral here demanding to see him and him only in the medical bay. When he gets there, he discovers it's not an admiral, but Patrick, one of the four genetically engineered humans Bashir tried to help before. With their arrival, Bashir tries to try an experimental new surgery that could help Serena, the young female of the group who is nonverbal, to possibly be able to connect with her enhanced neural functions in a way that would be healthy and not, you know, insane. The other three help Bashir by developing an extremely precise surgical tool, and Bashir performs the operation. While it seems to be a success, Serena is not responding. Bashir grows to drown his sorrows in corks, but suddenly he sees Serena who is standing and looking around. When Bashir asks her what she is looking at, she responds, EVERYTHING! Like Leon. Serena is delighted at being able to speak and already seems to be extremely intelligent, though still learning basics like vowel sounds. After a sick do-re-mi jam sesh, it seems Serena is a fully functioning adult. Serena and Bashir begin to see a lot of each other, if you get my drift, while the other genetic humans begin to work on the next problem. You know, just solving the big crunch and the death of the universe. Simple stuff. The trio seem content to break the laws of physics, but when they scold Serena for laughing off this idea, she begins to realize she no longer fits in with the group. She tells the group she will not return with them to the Institute, which upsets them greatly. Bashir begins to fall madly in love with Serena, but she begins to retreat back into herself, going catatonic again when he invites her to a romantic dinner. The trio reveals Serena hasn't reverted back, she is simply overwhelmed by Bashir's infatuation. They talk, and Serena feels that she doesn't feel the same about Bashir, but feels an obligation towards him because he saved her. Bashir realizes he massively overstepped his bounds as a doctor, and lets Serena go. She decides to become a scientist, and Bashir watches as she flies away. What do we think of Chrysalis? So, when I watched this episode, and I think both of you, or at least you, Ben, I, I, when, 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 like one, one of you, like when I, when I, when, when we, when we were like messaging on, on the, on our thread, had the same idea. When I was watching this, I was very afraid of getting like. Because I was getting some really big flowers of Algernon vibes, mm-hmm. and I was very and, and I was very afraid about that. 
especially especially yeah. when she especially when she like reverted back into herself and was just being really quiet i was very afraid of that but then but but then, but then it turns out but then it turns out it was just Bashir being overly thirsty as a doctor because duh you're her fucking doctor you idiot um so that made it better <laughs> talking about that yeah we'll have to talk about that but i but to begin with yes i was i was terrified this was a uh Flowers for Algernon, not mm-hmm. uh, because I don't like it, but because I love Flowers for Algernon. It's right. one of my favorite books, and it's one of my the saddest books maybe ever written. It's devastating. Um, and one of my favorite movies is a movie called Awakenings, which is a similar movie based on a true story about these people in a comatose state. Rob Williams plays the doctor. Uh, Rob De Niro plays one of the main patients. Mm. And uh, he finds this miracle drug that awakens them, and then it doesn't work, and it is devastating. Mm-hmm. Oh, so God. fucking devastating uh but a great movie uh Ugh. but uh not one that can be like go check it out um <laughs> have a good weekend cry um <laughs> and uh and so i was terrified of that because i love i like these kind of stories even though they kill me <laughs> it's just like it's a kind of i don't know masochistic tearjerker i can get into uh so i was terrified of that but yeah it ended up being something different and it was, hmm, I have a, I have a tough time this episode because mm-hmm. I was very upset at Bashir the entire time. But then the episode ended by addressing all of my problems. So yeah, I don't know if I need to give it another chance or rewatch it or something because it was mm-hmm. not what I was expecting the ending to be. So yeah, maybe we'll talk about that. But how about you, Sarah? Mm-hmm. I, I feel the same way. I, uh, I thought... Um... The ending handled everything pretty well. Um, yes, I agree that Julian overstepped his bounds, but quite frankly, I almost don't blame him. One of my notes is just, damn it, I love her. And I think that was before they had the genetically enhanced <laughs> quartet. <laughs> oh, boy. Which was, let me tell y'all, music I mean, she's, therapy she's at its finest. Yeah, I mean... Well, let's take a let's take a second just to talk about that is one of the oddest scenes in any Star Trek episode. Yeah, and I don't but mean that was... in a bad way. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I I just want to say it's just it's just very interesting. We take like two minutes to just hear this really beautiful quartet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it I was... mean, you know more musically what's kind of going on, but do you want to kind of explain the scene? Sarah? I mean, well, what what happens is I guess well, um. Julian brings the the newly speaking Serena back uh, to the other genetically enhanced people, and um, she she kind of has a speech impediment, but uh, she you know is talking and talking coherently, which is more than can be said at all for her character in the rest of the show. Um, and they're all very excited and manic about it, as they tend to be. And I, I guess uh, Jack comes up with the idea to do some music therapy on her. And he sings, he sings a major scale, and she, she repeats it all uh, on monotone, which is kind of funny. And they just keep repeating it until she, she starts to get it. Faso. Faso <laughs> it's great. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, they repeat it until she starts getting it, and then they all just start you know just singing you know making stuff up they improvise and they come up with this lovely harmonic thing and there's really nice orchestral music going on in the background to back them up and it's it's just it's 
uplifting and by the end of it she can speak well and it's precious it's such an odd scene because it, it just goes on for two minutes but I, I did enjoy it it's just this like almost surrealish moment yeah. almost just because yeah. it's yeah. so like orchestral and I, <clears throat> I don't want to say lynchian because it's not creepy but it's like almost like this like it's something a Lynch movie would do where people just start singing and yes. like uh, in a way that almost feels unnatural. And yeah, it was a very beautiful moment. It was just, I was surprised. I was just taken aback. I was not expecting that at all. That said, you were earlier were like, there's a very, very me scene in this episode. And as soon as I saw that scene, I was like, there it is. There's yep. Sarah's scene. Yep. <laughs> it's like yep. they're, they're singing on Solfege in Star Trek. Guys! <laughs> this is great I was the first uh, one to watch so... it I, I think I just said you know when you get to that one scene in Crystal as y'all know just no other explanation and then they're like oh yeah that's it that's what Sarah's talking about you must love that scene in Insurrection I think it is where he where Picard calms down Data by singing Gilbert and Sullivan at him yes I do Remember I do that? have that yeah. scene <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time to engage in some yep, unsafe velocities. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I forget. It's yeah. from the Pirates of Penzance so, or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Pirates of Penance. I think it is. Yeah. Penzance. Penzance. Um, definitely Penzance. The. Yeah, the central conflict of the zip, so let's talk about that, is mm. weird. Um, it, this, is a mo- this is an episode from 1998, so it's a very different time, 20 years ago. Crazy. Um, and uh, it's very much an episode that's tough, because there's no thing like this that kind of exists. So, like, already it's very weird to talk about, like, where does consent lie with the person who was clearly not able to consent earlier but now is mentally challenged able to but has been basically childlike her entire life you know so there's that whole element mm-hmm. that i find very odd and of course mm-hmm. there's this whole breach of doctor patient uh separation with him dating her which i found very odd but thankfully it addresses at the end of the episode and that's why it's tough because there is a point where it's like he does say he overstapes his bounds there is a nice little thing where she's like, I'm doing this just because I feel like I owe you and I don't have feelings for you, which I like a lot. It wasn't some, it was like a more emotionally mature ending than I was expecting. Yes. Which I thought was just, was the more yeah. for Algernon ending where she was just going to revert back and he was going to be sad. And I was, and my, my frustration with that, well, I do like that kind of story is I don't like it focused on Bashir. I didn't like that her arc was all about Bashir is a very kind of, uh, uh, f- a female having a serious problem, but it's really more about the dude's problem about her problems, you know, yeah. which is always frustrating to me. Yeah. And, and, but again, the ending is a lot more mature than I was expecting. So it's just weird. It caught me off guard, and I don't know if it makes up for the episode, and I don't know how I feel about this episode overall, and I'm just kind of still struggling with it. So I'm curious where, where you guys can think about all these, these issues I raised. I would like the episode a lot more if Bashir wasn't in it. <laughs> um, hmm. Or 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 or, or, or in or, it just a little bit. 
Or, or oh yeah, or it's like I'm going to to fix her. I did. Okay, now here's her journey. Thank like you. That. Like if, yes, a lot more. If if he, if he had yes. if he had come if he had come into the episode, or or or, or at least or at least come out post her post Serena surgery with all of the maturity that we thought he had been gaining over these past few right. seasons into the like more full-fledged man that he has been showing himself lately to be but to, but to then go back to season one Bashir, it's like wait yeah, it's all fuckboy again yeah mm-hmm. it's like wait hold he's on been getting he's been reverting yeah he's been reverting the season which is frustrating in both this and and after image which has been very frustrating yeah he, he it, it's it's like it's, it's like it's like it took him five minutes to go from hello my name is dr Bashir to milady <laughs> Uh yeah, uh, and I get what they were trying to go for because like he's never met another genetic engineered person who's stable, you know, who's like mm-hmm. you know can relate to him, you know, even if it's a little bit of a I am very smart, you know, I have an IQ of 150 and I can only talk to smart people kind of element to it. I gotta yeah. get still where they're coming from, which is that like it's a Flash Algernon thing too that they address where like the there's like a couple tragedies in that book, and one of them is that he eventually gets so smart that he can't even relate to other smart people. Like he gets right, so smart, yeah. he can't even, and like, like he can't uh, he, he can't even relate to them, and, and they and they and they start to kind of reject him because he is so smart, and like and and they can tell that he kind of they can tell that he kind of feels that he's better than them. Exactly right, and I'm sure Bashir probably suffers from that as well. You know, and he, there's a whole bit and where he has to point out that he's been kind of purposely worse at uh darts and he's been you know when his stuff is revealed stuff like that so like i certainly understand where they're coming from but it's like again like i said it's her journey it's not his journey right <laughs> it's a big like, problem with this episode like like, like even even if you even if he was in the episode as much as much even if he did like stay in the episode as much as he was i would have been okay with it if you know like still being like still being about serena he he had been, he had been he had become more like a mentor big brother to her where 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 it's, where it's like it's still her story mm-hmm. but whenever but but like but he's just there and she's just there whenever she has a question like what about this what about this and he's like he's like this is this is what I this this is what I've done to kind of like deal like deal with deal with this issue for myself you know each like you know each person is different but you know do your best like if if he had been like more of a mentor rather than a I'm trying I'm trying to sleep with you now which is just creepy. Mm-hmm. To, to, to put a to put yeah, a to put a one a, word on it, it's creepy. Yeah, and as a as a um, as a as a half straight cis male, <laughs> um, I've been dealing with my own like you know the Me Too movement has been very important for everyone, and I'm trying to do my part in it too. Of like, how do I interact with women, and how do I treat women, and how uh-huh. do I make women feel, and taking that into account, and making them feel comfortable, and things like that, and so. It's certainly a case where I've been watching a lot of television made before that and movies and things like that that is not <laughs> not trying to give myself woke points, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like it's it's just something that I've been like personally dealing with and I don't know if sometimes I overreact to stuff because of that, just because I am trying to get better at it and learn uh, and I feel very like sensitive to a lot of portrayals of this right now. Right. And so to me it's like the the problem with this episode is it's very much just from a different time. Uh, and it that is. ending was probably very 
mature for the 90s, you know, mm-hmm. that he did acknowledge that he was thinking with his dick and that it was probably wrong. But the fact is, we still kind of just indulged in that for 40 minutes until that point, you know, that's, yeah. that's like it's troublesome. It, it, it was it was it's it's like it's like with it's like with uh with uh as Ezri, Ezri and Garrick and, and after him it just it's like it's like oh it's like oh we is like oh I've discovered the root of your problem it's fixed now it's like no I, I I want to see him like actually take time to realize that that, that he fucked up not just oh it's done that we're over we're over we're past it yeah um, definitely and 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 that that's what's frustrating is Bashir was becoming a much more mature dude and uh, I thought it was cool to have like a person who started off as like a ladies man like more of a Riker more of a fuckboy yeah. more of a ladies man Riker was less matured of a fuckboy than like, Julian hey, this... I can't I can't exactly say why but just he was classy I, 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 I don't know the beard it, it, it was it he was, was classy it. It. I think so what it is was Julian. He had a confidence just to desperately him. chased after one woman, even when she was clearly not interested. At least Riker was like, "Hey, new, new, new woman this week. How you doing? Oh, okay, we're 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 done. Next yeah. episode, new person." Like he was consistent. And Troy, <laughs> Counselor oh, Troy, man. seemed I... to be okay. Well, actually, Julian was consistent too. That's that came out wrong, but I don't know if. I feel like Riker is the kind of guy who, if a woman said no, he would be like, "All right, that's cool." You know, you do you. Yeah, no, totally. Riker is just chill, dude. No, it's not going to happen. And Bashir is like, "But why?" Yeah, the the problem is Bashir has a lot of like nice guyish elements to him, which is frustrating. He's kind of the guy you'd feel like would go on a a blog and be like, "Stupid bitch, won't fuck me." Like he's especially season one, it was had that kind of element where you're like. Mm And it played into his character. He's like genetically engineered. He's very smart. He's handsome. So he feels like entitled to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this, the series has been about taking away that entitlement from him, which I really have appreciated. So I don't mm-hmm. like giving it back to him this yeah. season. It's been very frustrating mm-hmm. because I, I think he's been one of the most matured characters of the season. And I think in a very interesting way. Um, and the season's been kind of frustrating for that with these two mm-hmm. episodes. Oh, for two and Bashir's maturity say, level in season seven, y'all. Sarah, you remember that episode of the Riker where he has sex with that like farming lady that with the Irish accent? You remember that? Yeah. Had, like, get these refugees from like a farming community. Uh-huh. Oh my god, she was so pretty. Oh. Yeah, and Irish. God, and Irish. Oh. Damn it, Riker. <laughs> Damn it. Right. Um, you lucky son of a gun. But yeah, I agree. Like Riker is more of just chill and like he comes from because he's older, I think too, and he's like a little older than Julian and. He yeah. kind of has more of that swagger and just chillness about him. Mm-hmm. Where, yeah, Julian is, is mad thirsty. Like, Riker <laughs> is just very clearly in it for, for the fun of it. For the yeah, most part. Yeah, yeah, totally. Think. But, he, but, like, I don't know. It just, he's, he's honest. Yeah, I don't know why people, like, it's girl different, come over to but his... it is. Yeah, Riker's one of those guys who come over, like, he'll invite a lady over to his room and then he'll try to make out with her, and then she'll be like, "No, I, I'm not into you. I'm gonna go home." He's like, "All right, cool, man." And then he just plays the trombone for the rest of the night. Like he yeah. just kind of chills out. You know? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, "All right, that's fine." Um, I also appreciate it. They never really made it clear, but in TNG, I always thought it was interesting that it was like one of the more modern romances with him and Troy, because it was always clear that they were having sex, but it was a very on again, off again 
relationship until mm-hmm. the end, which I thought was kind of Then they did get married yeah. eventually. Just vaguely were together off and on, which I thought was very accurate, you know, mm-hmm. to how a lot of people date now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, true. So, yeah. I think I've talked a lot about this episode. Is there anything you guys want to say? Yeah. You, what you I just... the return of the characters? Oh, I was very excited. I love them. I yeah, think you like I those said, characters a lot more than I do. I think, Sarah. Yeah, I don't. I I don't know. They just they fascinate me, like people who are too smart for their own good. <laughs> I don't know. They're an interesting bunch. I did like the bit where the the one guy he's like, "How'd you get in here?" And he's like, "I just keep saying that's a stupid question, and it always yes. works." <laughs> yeah, and it does. Yeah, but, uh, it, it, I, I would it, like to go ahead, Peter. No, I was just—I was just gonna say it's like—it's—it's like—it's like—it's like, damn, that's—that's kind—that's kind of a knock against the entire crew of the space station because it shows because it shows just how much they don't want confrontation from someone who looks like they're a higher rank of them. Mm-hmm. Like, like, that, like that, like that, like that does not—that is not—that does not work work for them. Cisco is gonna have to have a talk with literally the entire ship. Yes, there's a there's a good line in uh, in Thirty Rock where Matt Damon he plays a pilot. She's like, how'd you get in here? It's like, I'm in a pilot's uniform. I found that if you could walk fast in a pilot's uniform, people let you into pretty much anywhere. I could probably get into the White House looking like this. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> like if you have some sort of official look and walk with like confidence, people will just get out of your way. Because they don't want to they don't want to get yelled at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do, before we move on, I do want to bring up one very sweet comment that Serena had to say <laughs> after she hangs out with Julian and his friends. She says if I had to find someone to replace Atlas and hold up the world, I'd pick Miles. He'd do it with a smile on his face, too. I just... Oh, so yeah. I that line. And I, it's true. When she said that, I was like, she has basically put into words how all three of us feel about O'Brien. Yes. That's great. That's a great line. Uh, okay, that's it. It has no bearing on the plot whatsoever. It's <laughs> precious. Yeah, that's okay, good. Oh, I have one line I liked in the next episode. Has nothing to do with the plot either. Okay. So it's totally fine. All right. Next up is Treachery, Faith, in the Great River. First, I got to do a Jack style burp. All right. <laughs> in two very different stories of faith that Ben will mine a lot for his great unifying theory of religion on DS9 essay, we begin with Odo doing the sacrament of getting to massage Kira, the lucky son of a gun. Oh He's my off god! To meet with Gull Rusal. Sorry. <laughs> it reminds me of the X Files episode that, that made aggressive. Katie realize she was gay. <laughs> 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 I have to show her this one. Oh, I'm very sorry. Carry on, Ben. I'll shut up. Well, she also has that super gay haircut, which I'm still, still loving. Yes. Season no. true. <laughs> he is off for a few days to meet Gull Rasol, who is an informant for for Odo, but was thought to have been executed a year ago. However, when Odo arrives in the meeting, he discovers it's Wayun who is posing as Rusol, and he wants to defect. Suspicious as hell is first, Odo agrees to take him as a prisoner when Wayun reveals serious tactical information against the Dominion. On their journey home, they are contacted by Damar and... Well, Wayun, 
It turns out that the smarmy ass Mayun we know and love has died off screen. And the one on board is Mayun 6, the final nightmare. And the one with Demar is Mayun 7, the new blood, who was awakened when Mayun 6, city under siege, left the Dominion for personal reasons. Demar demands Mayun 6, the cult of Chucky, kills himself, but he refuses, and Odo refuses to give him up. Damara states he has no recourse but to kill them both by making it so the Jem'Hadar don't know they are taking on a founder. They are attacked by a single Jem'Hadar fighter, but Wayun tells Odo how to destroy it, much to Wayun's sadness in betraying his faith. He reveals to Odo he had a crisis of faith in the founders and thought that instead they should be seeking peace. Back on Cardassia, the female changeling arrives to find out if they have killed Wayun Fast and Furious 6. However, Damar notes she is sick and though she tries to hide it. He still notices. After Wayun tells the very odd story of the Vortis past, Wayun reveals the truth that there is a disease that has infected the Great Link and therefore all changelings who aren't Odo. If not cured, they could all die, leaving Odo the only one left alive of his species. When Miyu saw this, he realized what the future must be, that all other changelings would die, leaving Odo the sole god of the Vorta and Jem'Hadar. With that power, he could end the war and lead the Dominion to an era of peace. Overwhelmed, but just a wee bit uh, crazy, Odo doesn't have time to deal with all this when they are attacked by four Jem'Hadar vessels. They attempt to hide out in an ice comet, but are found. With no hope, Wayun 6, the Scars of Dracula, tells Wayun 7, Diamonds Are Forever, that it is over and he kills himself. As he dies, he proudly looks on as his god, Odo, who he saved. The attack is called off and Odo returns home. Kira tells him that even if he doesn't believe, he gave Wayun the greatest kindness of faith, something she can understand very well. Oh, and during all this Tarkovsky-esque faith dissection, O'Brien is in some real sitcom issues. Already overworked, Sisko tells O'Brien he needs a defiant repaired in three days, which would require a part O'Brien needs, but isn't scheduled to get for three weeks. Nog tells O'Brien that he needs to become friends with the requisition officer in order to speed up the process, but O'Brien doesn't have time for all that, or the heart for the smoozing, so he leaves it up to Nog. He even gives over his personal authorization code, and with that, Nog goes hog wild. First, he steals Captain Sisko's desk, which is his frustration of Kira. Yeah. First, he steals Captain Sisko's desk, much to the frustration of Kira, and 16 cases of blood wine from Martok, who is none too pleased either. Both blame O'Brien as it is his codes, but all Nog's handiwork. He confronts Nog, who tells him it's all part of the Great Material Continuum, a force-like idea for Ferengis that capitalism is like a river, and that all deeds and trade eventually evens out as long as you have faith. O'Brien has his hardest, tries his hardest to be faithful, but can't and is ready to face punishment when Sisko returns. However, he finds that the desk is back and shinier than ever, plus he has his now much-needed part. Martok is also happy, as not only did Nog get him 16 cases of blood wine back, but he got a much nicer vintage than the originals. O'Brien is satisfied in Nog's ideas and begins a new scheme to trade Sisko's favorite brandy for something they will need. What do you guys think of Treachery, Faith, and the Great River? There is so much here. Yeah, like... Can, can we start with the B-plot so we can like at least get that out of the way and then mm. get to the serious part? Yeah, I'll just say quickly, overall, I think it's very interesting, even though I joke that the B-plot is so much totally different. Weirdly, it works just because they're both about faith, which I right. was expecting, and very interesting. I thought Star Trek doesn't usually tie in their A-plots and B-plots thematically very well, and to see them do that and have two stories about faith in one episode I thought was very interesting and goes right along with my big old boner for 
the way they handle religion in this show. Uh, and I'll mm-hmm. talk for like an hour about the last thing Kira says because it's amazing. Uh, but yes, let's start with the B plot. Do you want to talk about it, Peter? Yeah, I, 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 how did I see this? So O'Brien giving Nog his authorization code, and then like just all of the like all of the kind of shenanigans and and mishaps mishaps that were then solved by the end of the episode that came that came, that came from that. I, how 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 did I write in my notes? Because because I because I made I made one specific comment. Oh yes, oh, oh yes. O'Brien's situation is like a Disney Channel fumbling parent. <laughs> it's, 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 it was like watching it was like watching a show on the on the dis on the disney channel so like that's so raven you know that you know, perfect example yeah it's very that's, sitcom yeah. That, very, very 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 that's so raven-esque type of situation where the parent where the parent's like i have this i i i have this thing happening and core and core and corey is and corey is like you know what dad i'm gonna do you a solid i'm gonna help you out and, and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do i'm gonna i'm gonna help you out and mr baxter is like okay yeah corey just make just make sure you help me out and then all the stuff that just starts going like seemingly wrong and it's like if you would just be an adult this you wouldn't be having all these problems this is why everything's going wrong for now, but then everything works out, and it's just like you were like you may buy by the skin of your teeth, and you know it. <laughs> and your kid is just like I told um, you, and you're just like and and you, when you look at them like I was like this close to just beating your ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's like the great trading game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and it's Legend very or. This uh, this this great river analogy or belief system is very capitalist, really. Yeah. Uh, you know, every every yeah, world it's, it's has an abundance of something and is lacking in something else. And so, this what is it called officially? The Great River of Commerce. It's the Great. It's they call it a river, but they keep saying it's the Great Material Continuum. That's, the That's what it is. Yeah. yeah, the Great Material Continuum, and it just it seems very much like how ideally capitalism operates. That's not really how it works now, but that's the. That's why I loved I it because it's capitalism as faith. That's what is very yeah. It's capitalism right. as a religion. Oh God! <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's it is terrifying. <laughs> It's it's the it's the real <laughs> almost it's the realization that the that that the Ferengi's rules of acquisition is less of a handbook and more of a Bible. Oh yeah. So I'll just read what Ed Memory Alpha says because they they sum it up well. So Ferengi saw the universe as having millions of worlds, all with too much of one and not enough of the other, with the great continuum flowing through all of them like a mighty river from have to want and back again. As such, it was the force that bound the universe together, which is why I love that it's like a parody of the force. It's so funny. Yes. To get everything you desire in life, you have to have your ship navigate the continuum with entrepreneurial skill and grace. In practice, this meant that material taken from one area had to be replaced or paid for through another means, while avoiding obstacles and pitfall. Rom noted that the river could, of course, be very treacherous. Um. Mm. Yeah, it's a very it is it is it is capitalism as religion. It is so interesting. Uh, it's it's supply and demand. Supply and demand is of course the classic you know basic economic model of yeah. Uh, when there's uh, supply, demand lowers. When there's demand, you know, supply, and they even each other out, and they always you mm-hmm. know one gets to the other, and uh, it's how all ec- economies work. And it's sort of that take it to a 
a very odd level, which I appreciate. That it binds the universe together. Not, not this great energy force. It is uh, commerce. It is that somebody wants something and somebody needs something else. It's Settlers of Catan taken to uh, oh. a, a level that is... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like that. Because that is the key of Settlers of Catan is basically you have to navigate the great material continuum of... I don't have wood, but my partner has wood, and but he needs sheep. But if he gets sheep, he might have enough sheep to win. So, what can I do to make sure he doesn't get sheep? It's like that's yeah. that's, indeed that's how you win that game. Um, so uh, it's it was very bizarre, but I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There, 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 there were there were but I think because it's so comical. Right. There, there, there were there was one there was one like like it like. I put it in quotes. A supremely good thing, good thing that that came that came out of this B plot, and and that and it, it was when Nog was talking to Nog was talking to O'Brien. Rule of acquisition one hundred number one hundred number one hundred and sixty eight. Whisper your way to success, and I was just like, yes. that's something that people should actually do. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about your mm-hmm. success. Just let it happen. Yeah, I mean that's that's what. Yeah, it's interesting about it. It's like, yeah, he was right. There is always something to trade, and there's always something to uh, to move around and negotiate, and that's how it uh, all works out usually. Uh, if if you are able to uh, be smart about the way you do something, you know, there's like those people who like take a thumbtack and end up trading a house by the end of it all, or whatever. You know, like right. there's a famous person who did that once, and. I don't know. It's it's a funny idea, but it's also terrifying. Oh, it's so <laughs> like terrifying. Could actually believe that. Um, but it's also funny to see O'Brien be flustered and be yelled at. Yes, he's just a good. He's just a good sad sack. <laughs> Poor O'Brien. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Kira Mad is always fairly attractive. So. Hmm. <laughs> or. You know, just getting a, a, a massage also, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I liked um, when at one point he decided to make a new desk, to which Julian, of course, the smart ass he is, is like, well, <laughs> it's the wrong size, and it's the wrong height, and it's the wrong color. But it's otherwise is great. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise it's perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is there anything else you want to say for B plot, or should we go to the the big A plot? I think my only note about the B plot is OMG Ferengi religion. Yeah, mm, yeah. Is she? Um. So yeah, this is an interesting episode. We get double Wayun. We don't get Brunt and Wayun yet. Still in my there, dream. But your oh. Dream. Hmm. Sorry, no. I, yeah. I, I, yes, Peter. I, 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 I have, I had like one more comment to, to, to the, to the B plot. Um, mm. when, 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 Nog, when, Nog, when Nog was like, I'm gonna do this, so I can do this, so I can do this, so I can do this. I made the comment that I made the comment. Too many hoops. This is like a redo of when Nog and Jake tried to get a baseball card for Cisco. Right. That's right. Yep. Although now Nog is older and wiser and is is. More equipped to navigate the great continuum. <laughs> true. <It's> true. <laughs> it's true. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done on the B plot. <clears throat> so, yeah, what would you guys think of of this one Wayude who is a uh, sort of heretic? 
of sorts. Well, real quick, can I just read my first four notes for this episode? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, They're very short. Okay, the first one is, oh man, because it opens with Kira getting a massage, so yeah. My second note is, <laughs> it's a trap! Then, Wayoon! Then, it's a trap! <laughs> oh, no, yeah, I think you sent that to me. And I was convinced like, yep, yep. that quote-unquote defecting Wayoon was a plant or a changeling or, some oh, I, or something. Oh, oh, no, yeah, yeah. But, but, I thought so, too, yeah. yeah I, Especially when they showed Salome Jens in the credits. I was like, Salome Jens is pretending to be Wayoon to test Odo, isn't she? And then it turns out that was not the case. But I totally yeah. thought that for a good chunk of the episode. No, no, yeah, I, I, I totally had a note, had, had a note that just said in all, said in all caps before was like, okay, no, a, okay, a, there are actually like multiple Wayuns. Thank you for reminding us that 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 you that you do kind of, you know, breed the like you you're kind of like breed these Wayuns in the laboratory. I, I, I had in all caps. Which one is the changeling? Right. <laughs> Um, I actually, I yeah, have no, a note. I, 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 I have a note. It says, is one of Yoon a changeling? Oh. And Sarah's back with the puns, everybody. In case you were missing them at any point in time, she has returned. She is in full force. We are happy to have her. <sighs> That's been our episode this week. Thank you for listening. Uh, we're done. <laughs> uh, it's over. Um, no, it's a, that's an excellent, terrible pun. Well done. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I, 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 I sent out to you guys a messenger when Wayun showed up and said I wanted to defect. I sent that gif of Buffy where it's like three quick cuts into her. Yeah, and yeah. Then She starts squinting her eyes. <laughs> yes, That's, yes. Uh, the the episode in season four when Buffy has a college roommate and she really thinks that she's a demon. <laughs> she's, I don't know, just being. It's a very comical episode. It's great. Uh, and of course, forgotten the name, but I can tell you exactly what happens in it. <laughs> I mean, I'm impressed you knew where it was from. I mean, that's enough. oh yeah, you, you lovely nerd, you. I'm very impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 now that you it's, when, it's, now that you brought that gift back up, I little I literally just scrolled back to it just to look at it. It's funny. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> She's like I don't know, drinking a, her milk out of the fridge or something. It's called living conditions. <laughs> oh there's God. a uh, uh episode two season four what there's a um movie review show i really like called half in the bag and one of the reviewers is a huge star trek fan and mm-hmm. he always is like oh sorry but this this movie reminded me of star trek and he did it for avengers infinity war too which i was really happy about and it was an episode i actually did remember i was like hey that was nice. a good call yeah, there's an episode where I uh, this isn't a spoiler from the movie because this is just Thanos' plan. But there's a uh, there's a episode where Kirk is dealing with an old uh, person who used to run a commune he used to live on who killed half the population in order to save the other half. Mm. Well, he did it at random, and that's exactly what Thanos wants to do. He wants to kill half the universe so the other half will live much better lives. Mm. Uh, so yeah, Star Trek always always did it first because it was from the '60s. Yeah. Yes. Um. Same with Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone got to do every twist first. Mm-hmm. True, you're right. There's no new twists because of Twilight Zone. Yeah, um, and, and now and now we have and now we have Black Mirror trying to do every twist, but like but but like with the help of technology. Exactly, mm-hmm. Black Mirror. So what and if, then the X Files making a, an episode about like technology, and I watched it. It was like, 
Well, that was a straight up Black Mirror episode. Ha! <laughs> Uh, my favorite joke is that Black Mirror can just be summed up. What if phones, but too much? Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I, episode, I, yeah, this this whole way in thing was 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 pretty interesting because it was all about like, yeah, a heretic, which was sort of interesting, like that he was this person who. I mean, I think more it's more important of an episode because about like clearly there's going to be a big end game about this sickness that's going to kill off all the mm-hmm. changelings and i'm sure right. it's going to be a big part of that we're going to end the show i'm assuming that's haunting um yeah so and, and that's fucked up for odo <laughs> like that is a classic star trek moral quandary i appreciate which is do you let all your people die so you can be a god and then stop this war or do you uh somehow try to save them uh, but maybe betray everything you believed in. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Star Trek. Yeah, o- 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 Odo Odo was basically getting the emissary treatment that that Cisco got, but on but on the scale of his entire people, and now being way more at the center of this war than he than he ever intended. Yeah, that is crazy, and it's a uh, it's an interesting choice of how they're going to end it, and I imagine it's going to. S- uh, be horrible either way. Doesn't he say that at the end of this episode that it's like gonna be awful either way? Right. Yeah. 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 He says. He says. He says. Some, he says something like. Either like, way, I lose. Yeah. No matter which side wins, I lose. That's so. He's pulling a classic alien versus predator. Whoever wins, we lose. Oh um, my god! You're right. <laughs> no, but I, my, I, favorite, I, my favorite tagline until rampage big meets bigger. Um, <laughs> No, but um, yeah. At least, sorry. No, um, at, at least, at least, like past the faith aspect of faith faith aspect of this episode, I I found I found it interesting because because it's like because because it's like with was it was he Wayun was was the Wayun that um Odo had Wayun six. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, Wayun um, six is the one on the runabout. Wayun seven is the one with the Mar. Right. Okay. Thank. Thank you. Um. With 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 Wayne with Wayne six. It's like it, it's like we 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 all we already had like we we already had one or two examples of 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 of, of a Jem Hadar who either doesn't fully believe in what in in what the changelings are doing or 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 or, or isn't subject to like being addicted to and and needing the um the white to survive mm-hmm. so it's so this is interesting that we get that we've gotten all the way to season seven and we are fi- and we are finally re- we are finally knowing that it's possible for possible for e- for even for even the vorta to have to have like kind of a wrinkle in them a, a wrinkle in their buildup that that that, that 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 they that they that they could have something in their genetic code which is totally which is totally like made for them but like have something in them something in them even where they're just like why are we doing things this way? You could do you, you as gods who who are, who have so much power and influence and control could do things this way. So it's interesting. It's interesting knowing that 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 even the Vorta that wrinkle can exist. Yeah, there's a really interesting line, which I thought was really clever, and again about the weirdness of religion and why it's this show is a lot more mature 
about religion and faith than I ever expected it to be. Um, which is, he says, you know, Oda says, you know, they, they built it in your genetic code to worship me. Like they genetically designed you to think I was a God. Oh yeah. And Wayne six responds, of course they did. That's what gods do. After all, why be a God if there's no one to worship you? Yeah. That that's such hard. a very interesting and very dark view of religion, but a very fascinating yeah. one of like, you can't just talk someone out of faith, you know, like maybe you can, but the, there, there is something more to it, you know, mm-hmm. particularly someone who's truly devotional because I think, um, uh, there's something to said about like the, the nature of a God versus man is very odd and very creepy in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and, and there was sort of a thing of like, um, there's a, there's a really good podcast and a really good movie now on Netflix called uh, Come Sunday, uh, which is about a real life pastor who was this super popular dude. He had his mega church and uh, he was a very intelligent guy. He was very about studying the Bible. And one day he um, he sort of came to a logical conclusion that hell doesn't exist, which is something that the Pope says. Um, and uh, his congregation left him. He was considered a heretic. Everybody... Uh, abandoned him but you know he and and he had this sort of thing which was very interesting which he said like the weird thing is it was like i started getting letters where people weren't even want there to be a hell in fact that they felt that their faith would be better without the idea of hell but it's more like we didn't make the rules you know we just followed mm-hmm. them kind of idea and there's something very interesting to me about that about the way you approach god in the way that it is this tough relationship, (laughs) which is a a creature that tells you what to do, but doesn't talk to you back um, is very interesting to me. And there's something interesting about the way Weiyun six relates to Odo because why wouldn't a god say he wasn't a god you know in a sense or why wouldn't especially like in this new version of his own religion of like odo is now the chosen one to lead us out of this war be like you know the humble jesus of the story you know be the one Mm. who's like i am but you i am but of you i'm just one of you i'm a humble security officer you know i am not a god but of course i am the one who will lead you to salvation you know what i mean it's it's that weird duality of i'm not a god but i totally am god you know um Mm -hmm that I found very interesting about the way they've set up Odo at the end of this. And I really hope they pay off really mm-hmm. well because it's the first time they ever like dealt with him as gods in terms of actual religion versus just uh, like, he tells this whole story about the Vorda. That's very interesting. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were monkeys and they helped, the, they helped uh, a changeling and they were one of the few solids to like, be kind to a changeling because they weren't i guess this advanced and so then the vorta like they made the vorta smart but they also made them subservient and it's like on the one hand that shows grace and mercy on the hands of changelings but it also shows like scheming and conniving and getting what you want and using things for your own yeah right pleasure um sorry i have a great it's my thing i love religion and in Star Trek, and I've been talking a lot, so I'm curious what you guys sort of thought about all this this stuff. I don't know that I have very much to add, actually. Yeah, no, no, neither do I. I, I, I for, for me, it was like this episode is fascinating, but I couldn't necessarily put into words why. 
so yeah because like because like because for me for me for me like i'm showing y'all like like i i have comments but like that that, that i made that, that i made about the show but but they were they, they at least at least because of how i was processing the episode at the time they were more surface um yeah. type, 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 type comment type commentary which so so, I, so that's why i'm glad that like that i'm glad that you ben you had all of this processing in your mind and, and you were like this and you and like as you've been talking, you're like, this is how I process. This is how I've been processing everything, and this is how I'm interpreting it. So I'm very appreciative of that. I had very basic uh... comments as well. Like my last note is: Is Wayun eating a pepperoni pizza? Yes, he is. I, <laughs> made, I he totally I, is. I, he totally I is. love that. I, I love that he took like a single bite of a of a pepperoni. He was like, oh, mouthfeel. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he's only about mouthfeel. That's right. Yes. He can only. <laughs> <laughs> uh my favorite uh my favorite brooklyn high nine joke where he's like raven holt you read you, you read boyle's uh brooklyn pizza blog yes it's the only one that considers mouthfeel um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's 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 an odd episode because it doesn't have many answers and it does feel like setup it's like a setup episode but it yeah along the way it's sort of an interesting sort of appreciation of of dealing with these things it doesn't have answers you know it's just more about that and i'm a i'm an atheist obsessed with faith i'm one of those people <laughs> mm-hmm. like, i don't believe in god yet i find it fascinating perhaps because i i can't find a version of myself that believes in a god so maybe i just mm-hmm. find that that idea of that interesting and uh the way you interact with something greater than yourself you know mm-hmm. is is an yeah. element of it and that's why i love the last thing with kira it's really beautiful it sums up what i love about the show where she says uh you know, I know they're aliens. I've been told they're aliens. I know they're aliens, but they're gods. You know what I mean? I can both know that they're aliens and understand they're aliens, but they're still my gods. And they're always going to be my gods, no matter what people tell me. Yeah. And yeah. I think there's something really magical about that. No, yeah. To, to, kind, to kind of bring in another, uh, to, to, to bring in an, an, another nerd realm it's 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 like it's like it's like what Captain America it's like what Captain America said I think I think in the first Avengers movie where he where he was where he where he was like where he was telling someone I have lit I have now literally dealt with gods Thor and Loki I still I still I still know who I'm praying to. Mm, mm, I forgot about that. Mm. Like I, I, I'm I, I'm I'm fairly certain he said a line like that. Like, unless I'm unless I'm just imagining it, but 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 even but even but even so, I'm but even so, even if he didn't, I'm pretty sure that's something that Steve Rogers would still say. Absolutely, and and I think that's that's something I think Deep Space Nine reckons with in a very interesting way. That I don't think any sci-fi show has ever done. And why right. I like religion on the show so much is that uh, we live in a uh, future, as <laughs> much so we don't want to think we do. Yeah. We have uh, magic squares that can connect us to anyone in the world and can call people without landlines and can bring up porn whenever we want we're in the future (laughs) (laughs) Uh, maybe we don't have flying cars but we have instant porn and i think that's the future um uh, what is it wow uh, <laughs> ben, ha- ben haworth 2018 we don't have flying cars but we have but we have connection to porn done (laughs) um but uh we we are still living in a world that where we know about the universe we can look at galaxies millions of miles away we can 
see subatomic particles. You know, we can do all this stuff. We can collide particles that accelerated create and create antimatter. We can do yeah. insane things. We are in a very crazy time. There's still people who believe in God and still believe are smart people who understand these scientific things and still believe in God and it does not make them stupid. It just makes them a different form of faith and it changes the way mm-hmm. you view faith and the way you view God and the way you view uh, that religion changes along with science. You know, um, Religion at its best, I think. And that's what I appreciate about the show. It treats Kira's faith with sympathy and 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 respect and honesty and that yeah. i love yeah. that last line because that's what it is it is treating her that her faith is still important and it's not dumb <laughs> it's not like, you dumb dumb you're aliens dumb dumb and she's like oh you're right i'm an atheist now and i'm better like no faith is important to her she's not gonna let that go even if her faith is challenged in one way or another yeah, th- yeah. um that, that that actually now reminds me um there, there is a character in, in in the video game Mass Effect Andromeda that that came out last year. Was it, did, did Andromeda come out last year, or was it twenty sixteen? I forget. Mm. Twenty sixteen, maybe twenty fifteen. It was like a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, anyway, in Mass Effect, Mass Effect Andromeda. She, uh, she is, she is, she is a member. She's a member of 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 the of the crew, of 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 of, of the of the of the main ship. Of the ship, and so and so when 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 interacting with her, you can you can you can talk to her, you can you can have to talk to her about 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 her get to, get to learn get to learn more, and 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 she and she and she tells you that, she tells you that even being in space, experiencing everything they are, being in a completely different galaxy and in, in the Andromeda galaxy now, she still has her faith because. Because because even with all the shit that she does, all all the research that she's done, like like, like scientific stuff and like her experiences, faith is still very much a part of her life, regardless or or or, 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 or maybe maybe not regardless, but you know alongside of. So it's like so it's so it's cool. It's it, it's it's cool to see different sci-fi texts hand hand handle handle that kind of topic with sincerity and sincerity and empathy and care. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I just want to end my little bit with just two things I liked, which is one, there was one really nice, just well-written line I enjoyed, which is, uh, of course I'm paranoid. Everyone's trying to kill me. It's a good line. (laughs) I just really enjoyed that line a lot. Um, And then what was the other one I was going to say? I was trying to remember. (sighs) No, I don't remember. I lost it. It's gone. It's gone for me. It's gone. Um, something to do with O'Brien and yeah, whatever. Anyways, do you guys have anything left to say for this episode? No, no, that's that's it. Oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. Oh, um, I like the little bit that the reason Nog stole the desk is that there's a, I guess, an admiral or someone like there's a someone out there who loves taking pictures behind famous people's desks. Right. And he's yes. like he's gotten Picards. He's gotten like he listed one other person, which I thought was really cute. Like, like that that is going There's to be some, like obsessed Trekkie in real Trek who's like out there yes. trying to get pictures and all this stuff. That that that, that, that is going that is going to be a very interesting photography exhibit to visit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very true. No, but um, dang it, dang, dang, oh oh. Um, for, for me, for me, I get for me, I guess, I guess, a final thought 
um, on this episode is is, is kind is kind of wondering what or what or even who caused this disease this disease this sickness to be spread to be spreading throughout all the changelings who have connected with the great link what's its origin who brought it on yes. like I, I did i did it happen naturally did it happen from did it happen from or did it happen come come from some outside force entity person whatever yeah i don't know yes. i'm curious if they ever will uh address it i'm sure they will because like i said i think it's going to be the end part of the end game of the show right it feels yeah like we're starting to so to set those pieces up and that definitely feels like a big one we're gonna because now they've set up you know like i said it, it's like that episode of the borg uh, where they find that there's a way to kill all the borg and they have to deal with like do we genocide an entire race but then that means we'll never have to deal with them ever again and you know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's uh i definitely think similar discussions will be coming indeed all right well i think that'll do it for our episode this week next week we'll be discussing season seven episode seven and episode eight which are once more unto the breach and the siege of ar558 so it sounds like some oh wow some romping yeah. fun it's very some, like some sex comedies some you know like some <laughs> some sitcom stuff i think it's just gonna be real 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 blast once more into my breach hey as always, I want to thank huh? my lovely co-host for joining me every week in this journey. Don't think about it too much. Our theme song is by Captain Meatshield. You can check him out on Twitter at CPTN underscore Meatshield. Our awesome artwork is by Joe Bowen. We are part of the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can see more of our shows at TuscanShed.com. If you like this show, like, subscribe, rate, and review it any way that you can. It helps new listeners discover our show. Until next time, this is the crew of Geek Space Nine signing off. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening.